0: Fellow fiends, welcome to another terrifying and delectable episode of Nightmare on Film Street. The horror podcast with zero credibility, but all of the blood, ghouls, and gore your puny heart can handle. (laughs) Let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim.
1: Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm Kim. I'm John. And this week, we are talking 2005's The Devil's Rejects from Rob Zombie and 1985. 1986's. 1986's. I prefer
2: to say Toby Hooper's. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Parentheses, 1986.
1: Mm. That's
2: how it's set. That's the audible version. That's how <laughs> everybody says it.
1: But that's not the format that I established.
2: <laughs> You're first, John. Jeez. It's like the English people. English people. It's like Britain they have the way every it seems like every country has their own way of writing down the date yeah and that that'll mess you up
1: it's especially confusing for the first few months out of the year when the date could possibly be the month and vice versa oh my
2: god i hate that so much and it's easy to tell once you hit like you're
1: like four six you're like is it june or is it april
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i can figure it out as soon as we get past the 13th day
1: yeah then it's the easy month. to figure it out
2: love it Yep, great we should just start on the thirteenth floor. That's how it should always be from now on. That's my new platform. I'm campaigning to be king of of uh, the, the galaxy, and um,
1: you're starting low. You're starting. <laughs> you're starting very close to the atmosphere. Yeah, no, no. no. They,
2: they say as you want to like climb up on the political ladder, you know, you gotta start grassroots campaign. Like maybe be like your local representative. I'm gonna be your local. Like that black hole's coming for us. I'm just saying, we need somebody to stand up to it, and I'm your man.
1: Oh, my. First step dates. We're going to
2: figure out the calendar, and then we're going to fight that monster in the sky.
1: You know, things that always get me (laughs) grassroots down to the floor is family. Of
2: course. And it's what it's all about.
1: All roads lead to family. (laughs) I hope this worked. uh today we're talking about two particularly freaky families that we have already talked about
2: part two because it's
1: freaky families part two yeah throwing up
2: my gang signs right now freaky families two.
1: he's not lying (laughs) you just can't see him before we get into this week's episode we have a few announcements at the top of the show so john what is keeping you creepy this week
2: If you're listening to this podcast the day it drops, uh, April 25th, we want to give you a quick heads up that this Saturday, April 27th at 3 p.m.
1: Sunday, I mean Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. We will be
2: hosting a live stream on Patreon uh, at 3 p.m. for everybody across the pond.
1: That's 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. My mistake. You gotta See, that's the, the other time zone. That's, that's the other
2: platform. I'm going to universal time. Every like, no matter where the sun is in the sky, <laughs> it will still be the same time everywhere.
1: When the sky is above you, <laughs> live stream.
2: <laughs> we're well, not gonna use the sun as yeah. We're going back to sundial <laughs> Man, I can't wait for Game of Thrones to start at half past shadow.
1: <laughs> Two hours after the liquor store opens, live stream.
2: <laughs> it just sounds like we're going into chaos. <laughs> that black hole's coming.
1: Stop with the black hole. <laughs>
2: You're not scared. That photo's from 55 million years ago. And it's I just... very
1: grainy. We're fine.
2: <laughs> yeah, but he's had 55 million years to grow and pump iron and work his way toward us. He's coming.
1: Yeah, but who's to say that the other side of the space-time fabric isn't more fun than space-time? I'm willing to go there.
2: Uh, mostly the physicists that say as you approach it, you get torn apart. Mm.
1: Speaking of Patreon, we also want to shout out our recent patrons, but I'm not good at that, so John... <laughs>
2: Yes, of course. I want to give a big thank you. We want to give a big thank you to Juliana, Beverly, Haley, Alex, Sam, Julio, Phil, and Prince. He's back, guys, and he's supporting the show. (laughs) Yes, the, uh, the, the podcast is family. I don't know where else to go from this. I thought that was like the greatest line ever. I'm like, ooh, everybody's gonna get that because, you know, like the Saw's family, but the podcast is family and it'd be great if I had another line. Um, but... We have a very big dinner table. Don't ask what's for dinner. We are vegan. Maybe um, could also be vegan
1: and cannibal. Vegan and cannibal.
2: <laughs> oh, that's a good mix. That's a real good mix. I'd watch that movie.
1: Well, the whole thing about veganism is like consent. Animals are smart, but they're not smart enough to be like, "Yeah, you can totally kill me." But oh, hey, like, human you just being... torture them
2: until they want to die. What <laughs>
1: <laughs> the humans? Yeah, <laughs> sure. they,
2: they ask. Yeah, for... and then this they ask movie. for yeah. for death. Yeah, and once
1: they do that, then you, you can give it to you them. You can eat them. Yeah okay, well, guys, we're eating people.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But of course, there will always be a seat at the table uh, for you, our lovely Patreon supporters. Um, You know, don't worry. Whatever's on the menu, it's not you. But thank you very much for your support. You've guaranteed yourself a seat at the table. Which means you're culpable and... Culpable? You're accessory after the fact. I'm sorry, it had to go like this. (laughs) But by supporting us, you are also supporting a cannibalist corporation. And and uh, you're
1: also our alibi. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so vote with your dollar and head over to patreon.com slash nightmare on film street to find out about all the cool uh, hours of bonus content available to you as a new supporter if you haven't checked that out already. Kim, what's keeping you creepy this week?
1: Well, we have a new month coming up. May is going to be upon us and we have planned a Really fun theme for the website, nofspodcast.com. We are celebrating Folk Horror Month all May long. And in addition to all the cool content that we're going to be releasing editorials, articles, retrospectives, we're doing a little giveaway. Mm. Uh, it's not little, actually. It's going to go all month long. It is called the Cult of Fiends giveaway. We have three or more culty prize packs up for grabs, and you can stake a claim at them by entering the giveaway at nofspodcast.com contest. Uh, there's tons of ways to enter there are social media entries there's all kinds of stuff or you can just click an entry button and get a few entries that way uh and it's all cult themed at the cult of fiends giveaway
2: wouldn't thou like to contest deliciously that was wonderful thank you very much i don't know if this intro has been as wild a ride to listen to as it has been to sit here and talk through but um i think it is a good primer for how very strange this episode is uh, I apologize It is mostly just us gushing about both of these movies Mainly me gushing about Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 um, And Kim, very
1: It's so sunny, I love it <laughs>
2: <laughs> It's a new theory and a new lens to see that movie through I think you're on to something about why uh, Rob Zombie's Devil's Rejects is his considered his best movie I'm not going to spoil it here
1: I think uh, I already spoiled it
0: oh, okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> But let's get into it Let's talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2
0: 13 years ago, audiences across America were horrified by the savagery of a faceless killer. In the wake of this bizarre rampage, he vanished. Now, after more than a decade of silence, he has come out of hiding. Chainsaw Massacre 2: The Buzz is Back, directed by Toby Hooper.
1: The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 from 1986, currently sitting at a 5.6 out of 10 on IMDb, a 47% on Rotten Tomatoes, 1 out of 4 Ebert's and a 3.2 out of 5 on Letterboxd.
2: I am not surprised that Roger Ebert did not love this movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I think this was a, like, a lot of, a lot of movie to chew on initially, so I think any of the reviews coming out from release would be very, very mixed. I can't say that I know, because obviously this came out before I was born. Yeah. Um, but I know that even now, seeing it for the first time, I, well, I've seen it before this viewing, but, um, just being so surprised. And you even set me up, you're like, no, it's totally different, it's crazy, it's so much fun, there's oingo boingo, and I was like, oingo (laughs) boingo, um... Yeah, it is a crazy fucking sequel. I
2: fucking love this movie. It's so buck wild. It's nuts. It's it's insane. It's unlike anything the previous movie is. It breaks all rules and traditions that were set out in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And the fact that it's... It's also directed by Toby Hooper is what I think makes it work so well.
1: Yeah, because in any other sense, this could have been just like a direct video. It's in the Chainsaw universe. And you're like, what? But the fact that it's like co-written and directed by the original, like the name behind Mm -hmm. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is what makes this such insanity. Yeah. Like this has got like not only the stamp of approval, (laughs) it is canon. It's so canon. It's so, <laughs> it's so wild.
2: But like what what else was he going to do, right? Like I remember being very shocked when I first saw this movie. I don't know that I finished it, and um, I didn't turn it off in disgust, but I...
1: I can imagine, like, 13-year-old John being like, yeah, I'm gonna watch some gritty, gross, like, yeah. chainsaw, 70s horror, and then you were just like, what the fuck is this? It
2: was unlike anything I expected, yeah. I really don't know that I finished it, but, um...
1: Because it completely ascends... You couldn't call this a slasher. One character is murdered in the whole movie, apart from the opening.
2: Wait a minute. I'm trying to count on both hands here. I think you're right. Like, let It's
1: just the radio guy, right? We,
2: we cut the family out uh, because they're the bad guys. They don't yeah, count. Yeah, yeah. And Dennis Hopper. Not really a murderer. Yeah, but that's
1: your final sequence. Like anybody that dies in the final sequence. That like, doesn't count. That doesn't count.
2: No, never counts. No. And, um, yeah. The length it's, it's... of the
1: movie. So from the car accident to- We gotta include
2: the car accident, No, I'm just though. saying
1: from the car accident to the basement- hijinks. Basement. One death. And it's not, yeah. he doesn't even die there because he wakes up at some point. That's and he's true. got like no skin. Yeah. I know we're jumping through the movie but that's one person. <laughs> that is not slasher formula. Poor LG. Slasher formula is like you have like a slow kill at the beginning and then all your characters are like crazy and then... They, they all get picked up they, it, one by one. Yeah. And then they die one by one like every 10 minutes or so until your final girl gets her showdown.
2: Which is crazy because these guys are so undiscriminating about who they kill. Like they do not care. <laughs> it's all meat. They don't give a shit.
1: Which is funny. You'd think they would like have more restraint and they'd be really like picking and choosing with their meat, only, they do not Only, yeah, <laughs>
2: on, only, uh, gymnasts or like bodybuilders or whoever, like they gotta have like a type. Especially if they're making a stew or something.
1: For competitions. Yeah,
2: like, you, you need some consistency. How do you know that chili's gonna, like, how do you know you're gonna win first place chili award every year if you're just picking people off willy-nilly?
1: I guess the point is freshness. They're going for freshness.
2: Yeah, maybe it's because it's the local people.
1: Although, they they're very, they're very much treated the Sawyer family like very dumb, dense, like, hickish people. But they are so into found art. there's there's so much you can't even call it taxidermy it's like uh, staging of of bodies and skeletons and to get a skeleton white is a lot of work like to get a skeleton clean and white and like in good shape you need to be an artist
2: especially when you're living in dirt
1: yeah they live in a dirt bunker (laughs) also
2: one of them has to have an architectural degree like is it Did they just, like, hijack a mine? It's very
1: true, because that cop had to chainsaw, like, 400 beams to- Before anything happened. Yeah, before, like, even a pebble fell. (laughs)
2: Structural like, everybody was still able to get out okay at the end of it. Structural integrity still held up.
1: Very true. Should we walk through the movie maybe a little bit? We're just we're I think we're all over the place.
2: Sure. Yeah, we we, we can we can walk back a little bit.
1: Let's walk back to the boingo boingo! <laughs> yeah, so
2: the opening crawl of the movie, we uh we see that um the previous events of the film left.
1: I love these. I know right? I'm interrupting, but That's okay. <laughs> they're they're so perfect, and I think for this film, going in and I I, I just picture not knowing what to expect at all when you see the scene because you have the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre pop up, you have the scroll. The Texas Chainsaw
2: Massacre has not stopped.
1: It feels like
2: Texas.
1: (laughs) It feels like the first film. And in the first film, it's like really upsetting. There's some really disgusting imagery, like right up front. And it sets you up for this movie that's going to be like really bleak and very like nihilistic almost. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not even almost. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is nihilistic. Oh, yeah. Uh, This movie sets you up to almost pull the rug out from you right away. It's setting you up like it's a classic Texas chainsaw movie. Yeah,
2: even the, like the music is a little playful, but you feel, you're, you're in, you're getting ready you have for that like, fucking gritty, scary movie. Yeah,
1: like you're almost expecting the grain popping on the screen, like 70s footage, when you're watching that text scroll on the, in the beginning. Yeah,
2: and you, you can't beat that voice, right? Oh, it's, it's too good. But then immediately you just have like dumb, hick jackasses who are, these guys are fresh out of high school, right?
1: I don't know, they, they look like college.
2: Weren't they like requesting songs for dedicating them to all the stuck up girls at our oh, homeschool high. Fine. So I think it's summertime. I think they like are in between. Yeah, yeah, like they are they're on their way to sort some sort of frosh week party maybe. They're so amped up that they're going to go to this new college. They're just shooting everything in sight. <laughs>
1: I have to say the holographic glasses made my life remind me of Scholastic so much, like those um, Goosebumps kits, where like if you pay like seven ninety nine, you get like a Goosebumps book, Goosebumps pencil case, and like haunted masks, holographic glasses.
2: Yeah, get your own glasses. Look like that haunted dog at the beginning of the TV X-ray show. X-ray eyes. <laughs> they do not look like. I mean, maybe that the guy with the holographic glasses. Maybe that's part of it, but big fucking v-neck sweater shirt beside them they'd look like they should be on their way to a country club like they are rebelling against mommy and daddy warbucks it would
1: make sense because they are driving on the longest bridge in history so maybe that's (laughs) the driveway for the country club okay (laughs)
2: let's let's get to it (laughs) that bridge i don't okay let's let's assume uh how long do we want to say that well okay how long is that song by oingo boingo
1: Oh, minimum six minutes. Dead <laughs> Man's Party, six
2: minutes. Cool. So they're probably driving, pff, I don't know. At some point, they got their foot right on the floor. Yeah, because
1: that is like a high-speed chase scene.
2: Let's let's just do Canadian math here. We'll round <laughs> it up. <It's>,
1: kilometers. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, 100 kilometers an hour. Okay?
1: Okay. No, I don't think they're doing... They're maybe doing like 80.
2: You think 80? 80 kilometers an hour? 80. You think that they were like, you know what? Let's, let's not go too fast. Yes.
1: At one point... <laughs> yes. That guy only has half his brain, so although I have to say he oh, so
2: we're averaging out. Yeah, okay. The ending like fifty. Yeah, like the
1: ending is (laughs) fifty.
2: Either way, like, and the entire length of the song, they are going down a bridge, and it is taking an eternity. We see in plenty of establishing shots this bridge, fifty yards (laughs) max, right? Oh, it's so good. That is the greatest scene. I love it. And I think that like totally brings you into the world that this movie's going to be because it's absurd. It doesn't care about the rules and it is ready to just play fast and loose.
1: Yeah, and it's it has so much fun with these characters that were created in the first film and they're brought back and they're entirely different yeah. and totally zany.
2: Yep, yep. Uh, and to have Leatherface in the back of a pickup truck uh, who's, who, we don't even necessarily see him at first, and it's a great goddamn reveal, but he's puppeting a corpse. There's a lot of corpse the chi- puppeting. There's a lot of corpse <laughs> puppeting. It's, uh, it's, it's performance art, really, Like for an audience of one.
1: It is true. They are artists.
2: And, you know, reviews are hard, and it's hard to take a bad review.
1: So you just, like, get a you new body? Never, is that your Yeah, you know, you just kill the audience. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> I didn't see anybody clap through this entire movie. And the one person that was nice to him made it out okay.
1: Oh, you're talking about Stretch?
2: I'm talking about Stretch. Yeah. Yeah, but to to see the puppet sort of, honestly, one of my favorite moments of this movie is just watching him cranking the chainsaw while he's still puppeting because the movement of it is so weird and jerky. Yeah, the whole
1: movement of the puppet is really weird because it's got like sandbag arms Yeah, because it's a corpse, like it's dead weight.
2: Yeah, and and its head just is lolling around.
1: Yeah, and I think that that comes down to like knowing the physicality of of Leatherface because he's this big bear of a man. Mm I think he's the only person in the family that could do it at that scope like i know later um chop top has a puppet and he's doing kind of the same thing but i don't know if he could do it wielding a chainsaw on a moving vehicle like yeah. there's something about the fact that Leatherface is holding up a whole person <laughs> and like it's and you can't even tell at first
2: well i mean if you ever held a piece of uh dehydrated fruit
1: mm. that's a lot like what that corpse is gonna be right no, corpses all are fucking heavy. Well,
2: I would assume at this point, like, look Haven't at it. Haven't you
1: ever handled a corpse, John? Are you new? <laughs> I'm just thinking about like going in the water with pants on. That's what That's I imagine what like, it yeah. being like.
2: <laughs> and I'm thinking more like he's dust, you know, like a uh, like a Scrooge. Maybe type he's a corpse. mummy,
1: like, but he didn't. I, I guess he was a little ancient. He, he was a little dusty, <laughs> just a little
2: dusty, yeah. But you, when they shoot at him and the head knocks over, and we see just enough of Leatherface's head You're popping like, out,
1: oh fuck!
2: So good. Having seen it before, you you can tell somebody's behind there. But if you really just focus on that that, that corpse, it's it's pretty great because you have uh, Leatherface is draped in sort of like a black cloth. If you just try and pretend he's not there, it looks so good. And it's Oingo boingo. You can't go wrong. I was arguing with some people on Twitter because I said that this was the greatest horror movie sequel ever made. Uh, and immediately got back a bunch of like, what about Evil Dead 2, John? What about Evil Dead 2? And my retort was just, well, pff, I don't remember any oingo boingo on Evil Dead 2. Oh.
1: Evil Dead 2 is is arguably not a sequel, though. It's a remake. It's arguably a remake.
2: It's a requel.
1: It's arguably an argument.
2: I think we can all <laughs> agree on that argument. <laughs> So, Stretch, this is this is another thing I love about this movie. They can't hang up on, on <laughs> anybody who calls into the station. It's just completely hijacked. It's impossible to cancel the line. Yeah, like,
1: people are being murdered. And it's very clear that people are dying on air. Yeah. And they're just playing it
2: live. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I don't know how to cut the li- They gotta hang, hang up. Hang up. Man, I love LG. <laughs> LG's the best. Does, it, does his microphone have a small face attached to it? Did you see that?
1: I, co- I didn't notice.
2: I couldn't quite make out what was on the actual um, there like was a the lot foam of, part, but I'm pretty sure I saw teeth at the bottom of
1: it. There was a lot of fun shit around this radio station, and it's like this really gross um, oh, kind it's of disgusting. random, like the halls. are.
2: You wouldn't just, spit on the floor of a nice recording
1: studio. You wouldn't spit on the floor anywhere indoors, <laughs> but, but I guess you're not LG. Um, but when she's doing your tour when Chop Top shows up, she's giving him a tour yeah uh and she's like shark yeah. <laughs> And uh <laughs> duck rubber duck <laughs> garbage can lat
2: yeah. exit, sign. exit and a sign. tour and a tour
1: yeah, ah,
2: yeah. <laughs> that whole scene is super duper long and i think it's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable
1: i guess uh, it, actually, I have to give this credit to somebody who tweeted at me. Um, I tweeted that we were watching this movie, mm. and so he was like, "This whole movie makes me itchy," and that itchy. is that is yeah. exactly what this movie makes you feel. It it is totally itchy,
2: especially watching Bill Mosley and exactly just, like, scratch his head, and
1: he, but he Ugh. singes it, and then he eats the dead the, skin. Oh. Like what? Who thinks of that? Like he just so carries great. around a hanger and a lighter. That's such a weird tick.
2: Well, yeah, the lighter part's really strange. But haven't you ever
1: had a metal scab? plate in your head? You've yeah. never
2: picked a scab?
1: Oh, I'm I'm a, such a scab picker, <laughs> right? Yeah,
2: exactly. Like I'm it's a scab
1: just, monster, <laughs> and it
2: hurts, but it feels good. It's uh, very rewarding. Yeah, I, th- I feel the same way about biting around—not my fingernails, but like the skin around. It's like gross. I don't notice that I'm doing it, yeah, and then it's, it happens. I'm and really all of a sudden, bad for yeah.
1: that. I like I I had this thing in high school where I like plucked out like all my own eyebrows and now they grow up growing fucked and it's just you know you you, some some of us have a metal plate on our heads
2: some of us (laughs) have really red skin around our. and some of us have
1: no natural eyebrows uh
2: whatever do you uh you know it was always strange in high school where like the really really goth girls that just took them out they were just gone.
1: Oh, and did like the big, like, you brow. I had a few friends that did <laughs> Sometimes
2: they just didn't really do eyebrows. There were a few- No f- brow is weird. No brow is really weird. There's a
1: bunch of Instagrams dedicated to just like removing the eyebrows of celebrities on like the red yeah. carpet and it's the weirdest fucking thing. It's like Alien Festival. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's, it's
2: like uh, 50 million years ago, like one set of humans diverged from another and those <laughs> ones didn't have eyebrows. We are for the some elite. Reason, yeah. <laughs> Oh, boy.
1: So where are we in this movie? So Chop Top We're has We're still at up. the
2: radio station. Yeah, yep. Chop
1: Top has showed up because they heard them the next night playing it on the radio.
2: Yeah, so Dennis Hopper, uh, lefty. Uh, has contacted Stretch because he needs her to help him get the word out about the Chainsaw Massacre because nobody in Texas wants to believe that it's real. The family has gone underground. They have no idea where they are, where they came from. I
1: guess we should mention, too, this is occurring 13 years after the first film. so everything In
2: time with the first movie. So
1: everything that transpired in the first film was years ago, which would explain, too, why now we're in kind of a different setting. The family is in a different house. Uh, if you can call it a house they're in a different cave <laughs> yep. um, and the lead detective or is he a lefty le- he is i the-
2: don't know what he is he- i think he's he's rogue i can tell you that much
1: he's a lieutenant okay um he is the uncle of franklin and sally from the first film
2: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's my brother's kin I gotta avenge him
1: which is fun. I like. I, oh, like, I like the it a lot, yeah. gives him some heart and explains why he's going like real off the books with this
2: one. Yeah, what's your uh, What's your so uh, he convinces Stretch to play the tape every hour on the hour as a request.
1: Which um, is absurd.
2: Yeah, it's insane.
1: Do they not have any kind of a board regulating this radio station? Well, that's
2: what LG tells her. Like, hey, we're going to get in a lot of trouble about this. People are calling in, complaining. Like, hey, people complain about the requests all day. Every- do you guys just want to sit back? I could do the rest of this movie right here, right now as a one-man show. Um, I know too much about this movie. No, it's
1: fine. I'm enjoying this.
2: Yeah, so it's just, the, the idea is, like, we got it on the logbooks, it's the request, people complain about the request all night, the higher-ups upstairs ain't gonna say shit. I get the impression that it's a small radio station that, that the owners never really come into, they just, like, check the books every quarter and check out, but, um, somehow that's going to either get the word out and people are going to help lead the Maybe they'll
1: identify the or, killers...
2: Or it'll upset ma- force the... them to... I think it'll it'll upset the law and the people will demand answers? Because okay. it sounds like they're just sweeping it under the rug.
1: Yeah, but instead it's got the killers coming and knocking on the door of the radio station. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Why? It... Do you think they want to sil- they want to silence her, right? They want to just kill them so that they'll stop playing
2: it? I think that's the idea, yeah. Because okay, they're, because they're hard... ghosts that haunt the land, it's, right? Like... It's
1: hard to tell what their fucking goal is because they're just these like zany weirdos who are having a great fucking time.
2: They are the wrong people to send for a job. They are like the hitmen. They're the only people to send for the job. I guess that's true. Yeah, are they going to send, Grandpa? (laughs) That is literally the only other person they could have sent. (laughs) Oh man, yeah, because Drayton the cook is uh, the older brother. His he's he's busy
1: cooking. He's winning. He's running the family business. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, Damn property (laughs) taxes.
2: Just a small business owner trying to make good. Right, like that's that's all he is. Uh, sure, his business practices and his entire, uh, platform is, is, is very strange.
1: I think it's insane that it's he can- a resource, though. Pull it together long enough to go to a public event where they're doing like chili off and like, yeah. cause that would require like judges coming to his table and making small talk and trying his fucking chili. Him being like, yeah, like nothing but fresh meat. Uh, yeah, but I don't, I don't see him being able. to I don't to make picture anybody in that family having the social skills to pretend they're not a, on a murderous rampage at all times.
2: Yeah, he would just be walking around licking his lips.
1: Does he try other people's chili? Like, who knows? I bet not. Who knows maybe he's got like a chili cook-off girlfriend we will never know
2: i don't know like a, a like a girl who's like a regular women. haunt
1: she like wears a shirt with like his chili's name on it <laughs> he's got to like avoid her in that all
2: it's probably just a like a shirt with the actual chili on it did you happen to notice that when he accepted the award there
1: was-, was chili in the award
2: <laughs> I think that's a great touch i think <laughs> that so is gross. awesome but when he's holding the award and he's so prideful like the chili is spilling out onto <laughs> his suit <laughs> It's just so goddamn gross. It's dog food. It's just dog food. I swear to God. It's pretty gross. Have you ever had a chili that brown?
1: No, but like we don't eat regular chili. Like we don't eat meat chili. So like maybe chili is like. I've
2: had meat chili before in the past. Gravies
1: some places. Okay.
2: So there you go. That's what it looks like. It looks like gravy.
1: Isn't all chili tomato based though? Like shouldn't all chili have a tomato base? I think so. Right?
2: Right. Tomato.
1: Sure. Lots of tomato. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe yes. it's just
2: been sitting out in the sun. I
1: feel like chili is one of those things that, like, every family does their own chili and, like, there's no rules. It it's, is the it's, monopoly. It's a monopoly. Of food. Exactly. Yeah. Like, every every <laughs> family has a monopoly board. Like, every yeah. family has a chili.
2: Yeah. And they all play by different rules.
1: It's really weird when John and I kind of came together and he's got this weird thing about corn in his chili that, like, I oh, just man. can't. You got in, it add ah. some
2: sweetness. Also, I just like corn. All it's too much I will fiber, fight John. To By put the time corn you get to the
1: the fucking corn, like it's just too much. And like, is there a lot of? Fiber see, and in I'm corn? very pro red bean. Like, I, yeah, I, red, red's a good bean. Yeah, but you don't like to put extra red beans, and it's.
2: When have I not?
1: You make a sigh every time I'm like <laughs> another can of beans.
2: <laughs> That's because I don't get the corn. It's like we need a we need a ratio here. Mm. Mushrooms gotta have mushrooms. And chili. Mushrooms are
1: squiggly. unless you like cut them down. So like I can't take. I don't want to have to chew it. If I have to chew a mushroom, mushrooms got a weird chew consistency because it's got this like wet. Yeah, unlike wet a wet dry bean. thing happening. Unlike
2: a yeah. gross, disgusting bean. Let's, need, let's be real. You they're need delicious. Protein, but...
1: John. It is. It is good for your heart. Makes you fart or something. The rhyme. <laughs> yeah,
2: I think it's the musical beans,
1: fruit. Beans, the magical fruit. The magical. Movie. Musical, yeah, it's magical. It's musical. Oh, musical. Yeah.
2: Because oh. you, you toot like well, a trumpet. No, Why beans, beans, they're
1: good for your heart. The gross. more you eat, the more you fart, the more you fart, the better you feel. So you eat your beans for every meal. Yeah, and See, then I knew verse there was a two, rhyme.
2: musical fruit. And I, I think <laughs> the joke is that it's not a fruit. <laughs> <laughs> and your butt's a trumpet. Um, <laughs> I don't like where this has gone, but here we are. What are you thinking of, Leatherface? When he's um, there's no way to segue from
1: this.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, speaking of gross bodily stuff, though, Leatherface has a thing for stretch.
1: Yeah, and like he's the first serial killer. I have to say, the first slasher killer to go out and. Um, really, really put it out there that his weapon of choice is actually his dick.
2: Right. Like everybody loves to say that. We oh, all know slasher, that slashers yeah. are a metaphor oh, for
1: penetration. Whatever. And, la, la, la. and yep. like, here comes Leatherface, like <laughs> holding his chains up like a dick, and then using it like a dick. Right, exactly. Like, oh,
2: this is what you're saying about movies? This oh, I can make that movie. You wanna see that movie? Because that's not what these other movies are about, but I can give you that movie. <laughs>
1: He's kind of so cute in this one, though. Right. In the first film, he's fucking terrifying, like, start to finish terrifying. And I think that's a lot of that comes down to, like, the furniture and the mood and that big-ass metal door. And, like, a lot of what's terrifying about Leatherface is just his fucking lair. Mm -hmm. And then when you finally see him, there's no time to worry about who he is as a person. He's just this guy coming at you with a chainsaw.
2: Well, there's also just, like, that great moment. uh, I think we focused on it a lot in the last episode, where the only time you have, like, a close-up on him where we're just hanging out with him, it's just fear is all you really see in his eyes. That's terrifying. Like, that is the strangest character I've ever seen. Like, he is a monster that you cannot escape, but in his own time, where he's by himself, he's he's just terrified.
1: Like, running on anxiety. Yeah. Just like, what? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. (laughs) I don't understand that. (laughs)
2: But we can all relate to him in part two. He got girl problems.
1: Yeah, and he's He's so so lonely. He's so
2: cute. Yeah, he does... He does, he does like her a lot. He
1: does like her. <laughs>
2: he does, it, it, uh, <laughs> it's so nuts though, because when he first comes into that room and uh, he is, he's attacking her and it looks like Stretch has nowhere to go, he just starts jamming his chainsaw into the bucket of ice, but you don't know why. <laughs> like, do, do you not remember that?
1: Yeah, he's just pent up. Maybe he's just.
2: No, no, but there's no visual of what he's Doing, He just breaks into the room and he starts sawing into the ice and sawing into the ice and cutting through the co- the cokes. And then we pan out and we see that, oh, that's that's what's happening. He's pantomiming having sex with her with this chainsaw. <laughs> Oh, it's so good.
1: But I think, too, there's something kind of startling in the fact that she's screaming and she's very much, like, of a horror movie Mm. when he first runs in. But at some point, she's been screaming so long, she just kind of stops. And then she starts talking to him. Yeah. And I don't think he's ever had an instance before where a victim has, like, Tried Spoken to, to him, talk yeah. to him,
2: yeah, like he because has like no everybody's way.
1: response when he comes up to them with a chainsaw is just like abject fear, yeah. And to have somebody kind of flip the switch, who talks professionally for a living, like who better <laughs> to do that than an ultra and they, cool and, and they listen DJ. to her every night too. That's so true. He's already he heard knows her voice. Before. Yeah, she's like a, she might be a mother figure. Also, Ugh, like he falls asleep sad. to her, right? I don't know. I don't know, John.
2: <laughs> there is something, and I'm going to try not to be too crass here, despite everything we've been talking about up to it. That moment where he's really enjoying himself, like, <laughs> and he finishes, and then he revs the chainsaw back up, because like, that whole idea that like he doesn't want to kill her leaves as soon as his dick brain is gone. <laughs> Is there a better way for me to say this? Is there I a guess way I. Me guess me you're this?
1: interpreting the film very literally? There. You
2: don't, you don't think he comes? Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. I didn't think so.
2: I think he might. It's like that little Britain sketch where this guy's talking about these guns. Mm, I'm gonna show you guys some guns, and he keeps going for bigger and bigger guns. And every time, like the the, the trainee of the new police station can see that this guy's getting a boner, and then <laughs> it happens, and then, he, and then and then he's like. I'm completely uninterested with this gun now (laughs) and walks away. Like, it's just, uh, it's a little much. Outside of that scene and me ruining it, maybe, Leatherface is pretty cute, I guess. Yeah, he's kind
1: of adorable. Because it's
2: like his first girlfriend.
1: Yeah, and then so at some point, they all end up back at the lair. LG ends up skinned and on the ground. Yeah. um, And Stretch falls down into the lair while she's chasing after them. He tries to hide her.
2: He really does.
1: Uh, Sort of. Like I mean, there's a weird, there's a weird scenario where he like puts LG's face on her, and then they start because it makes her prettier. I guess. And they're having, yeah, like we're the same. He's a
2: necrophiliac. Yeah.
1: Mm, (laughs) I don't know. I think.
2: I, I I see what you're saying.
1: I think they're just bonding. I think he's just trying to bond with her. It's like his first gift, you know. Aww. Yeah, it's that's like, like he his got corsage her corsage
2: for the prom. Yeah, like he it's got a her face. a bunch of roses. Oh, this is so nice.
1: Yeah, I mean that that face could have been could have been his new face.
2: Yeah, I'm a complicated man, and I can't give you my heart, but I will give you your best friend's face. So nice. Yeah. So
1: thoughtful. You oh, and when, when he puts it in her face, is. and she's like, "It's wet." Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is the best no no it's it, it's it's wet and he's trying to he's trying to make it like stay but it won't so he puts his hat on her <laughs> just to pin the, the pin the oh, face oh and
1: then when he ties her up her arms are loose enough just to like touch it but she can't pull she it, can't off. Get it off that yeah. is so cruel like yeah. that is the cruelest thing ever if they had it, if he had just tied her wrist and there was like no shot at it, it would have been fine but the fact that she's tied at the elbows and she can reach up but can't pull it down like i was squidging in my seat at that like how long am I going to have to wear this fucking face? Yeah, how do you
2: escape that? <laughs> like
1: kill me but take off the face. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, we we haven't skipped too much, I think. Like we were, were pretty we're we're following along, but if I could maybe bring us back a little bit. Ugh. What's your favorite Dennis Hopper scene in this movie?
1: Oh my god.
2: Cuz there's a lot of good ones.
1: Yeah, we did miss the chainsaw purchasing right? scene, oh, which it's the best is probably the best scene in the movie probably yeah
2: i think so and it's it's mostly for that shopkeeper that shopkeeper like and looking on
1: why is he so crazy he should be the sanity of this movie and i the same thing goes for devil's rejects like your police officer who you're cutting to yep. who's hunting down is supposed to be the hero that you follow and the person that you're rooting for not necessarily with devil's rejects because you have we're following the anti-heroes but fuck they're crazy (laughs) they're just as fucking crazy
2: hey to get to fight them and get uh you
1: do you gotta get to their level level. yeah although i think that they're already just fucking crazy like both of these officers in these movies have been personally affected the law no longer applies yeah and it is like revenge and retribution they
2: are just two hurricanes coming in off the coast colliding into each other
1: yeah it it's bonkers, and he's so fun and so funny.
2: I love it. Just, like, lays down, like, 800 bucks. Like, you get the impression he cleared out his bank account, I guess. And, <laughs> and I- he's just
1: buying different chainsaws, and then the, the shop owner's like, y- you could test those out if you want. <laughs> yeah,
2: and so he goes out front, just starts hacking it up.
1: <laughs> and the shop owner, like, really cannot even handle it. <laughs>
2: no, he's loving it, too. Like, at first, like, what the, what is the,
1: oh, <laughs> yeah, you get that log there. But-
2: <laughs> I mean, he doesn't say a damn word, but oh, it's-, it's pretty great. Dennis Hopper's like he's like Nicolas Cage, right? Like he just gives a hundred percent. Oh,
1: totally. Yeah,
2: and you better be there when he's doing it. Um,
1: what do you think about so getting toward the end? They're sure, they're yeah. having like their family dinner. Stretch is there. Um, she's being brought to Grandpa because if we everybody finds out that Leatherface did not actually kill her at the radio station, and somehow she's ended up in the the basement bunker area. Yeah. What do you think about that dinner sequence? Because I think this movie is kind of like off the rails zany. But once they finally get to the family dinner, which it's kind of starts to mirror the first film a little bit. Yeah. It's already a weird circus carnival.
2: Um, Are, are you talking mainly about. The, the older brother like the cook cuz this is kind of like where he starts giving his spiel on yeah, and I just Americana think, Like
1: having the the final girl tied up at the at the head of the table you're okay. bringing grandpa in we're getting him to do that kill that he did like it's Yeah, it's
2: 137 years old.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting that they. this is the one scene that's kind of tradition something that they
2: Well they're they're a family unit like that's their big thing like regardless of how, how tough life gets and how, uh, how much they have against them. They are a family and they are in it together. Mm-hmm. And like, there is nothing more American than the dinner table very true. Yeah, like that's that's where you come. You better not be late for dinner. You wear your formal best.
1: Oh leather my god, fa- Leatherface in a suit. Yeah. I mean, he
2: does the same thing in the first movie and it's cuz Grandpa wears a suit too, right? Like oh, so getting cute. dressed up for dinner.
1: Yeah, and Chop Top's wearing a bow tie.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: What do you think about Grandpa still being alive? I think it's
2: hilarious. Do you
1: think it's just for yucks? Or do you think there's something supernatural going with the nah, cannibalism? No. Uh,
2: oh, I see what you're saying. Like, that's... Uh... I
1: almost expected Grandma to be alive in that mountain. I was I was really hoping. Uh, yeah. That when they took the chainsaw, <laughs> she was going to be like, and then it would get Evil daddy. I was ex- I was hoping. That'd be pretty great. I was kind of hoping.
2: Oh, Grandma, in chainsaw heaven. <laughs> it's one of my favorite lines of the movie. There
1: are so many lines. Like, I need to watch this again with captions on just to get the dinner scene there's there's so much good shit that I know I missed.
2: Oh, it's amazing. When you
1: when you finally discover that uh, the cook is under the fucking table, <laughs> oh, is, yeah, I didn't he think, think just... he, I thought he was standing somewhere. I had- no idea and i thought stuff was going on above i thought that was um stretch up like running around upstairs but it was uh the final chainsaw battle between leatherface and the lieutenant yeah yeah
2: Yeah, i always got the impression that he was like under the floorboards like, he was squirreled away in, like, a deeper, un- more underground Like, he was spot. in a safe like, spot. Nope. Just grabs that corpse from beside the table, pulls out a secret grenade, and you realize that he's maybe a half a foot away. Just, like, an inch and a half of wood table separating him from the chaos Several above. chainsaws. Oh, a lot of chainsaws. <laughs> I'm so glad Dennis Hopper took out that second chainsaw, and he was just like... Fighting with all his might, two-handed chainsaws. Like that's that's pretty great. Well,
1: Leatherface was fighting with a chainsaw impaled Inside by a chainsaw. Him.
2: Oh man! And Grandpa tries to help. Grandpa does his best.
1: Oh, he was he was Just
2: funny. Whack chain, uh, Leatherface in the face. That's good. <laughs> I mean, if you want to talk about Grandpa being uh, crazy, maybe supernatural. Yeah, sure. Like the only way for any American to truly live is to to cannibalize itself, right? Like, is that is that part of the idea? Because. We've got the the brother talking about how, um, I mean, like he ta- he talks about the struggles of having a small business and just like how there's no way to succeed in the modern world. He even has this moment about taxes and property taxes and how like I rich stars don't play. Po- I, I, th- I, th- it's I think yucks. it's for yucks. I, th- <laughs> I think it's a bit of a send up of the first movie. But I mean, the sentiment in the first movie essentially is that uh, the safety net that you thought you had, this country that promised a better life is is not there it will drop out at any moment oh it's you are totally an american dream
1: yeah yeah like commentary totally yeah
2: it's texas chainsaw massacre requiem for a dream uh, fear and loathing in las vegas like this, that's your three. triple feature right there <laughs> that those are more true to life than anything else like
1: yeah but i think yeah i think this movie is honestly just a it's a satire of itself yeah. And it's it's completely taking all those things. And maybe it's kind of in itself a meta horror because it, it's a filmmaker's commentary of like, oh, you want another one of these because mm. it'll be profitable. And now it's this thing that'll make money. And it's like, OK, well, we're going to give you all the same things you want. We're going to give you the chainsaws. We're going to give you the chainsaw battle. We're going to give you the final girl. We're going to give you Leatherface. Mm and it's going to be fucking off the wall. Yeah. Like we're it's going to be all nonsense. of your
2: expectations and all of these tropes and all of the messages that our movie and every other movie's had. And we're going to bring it
1: all down. <laughs> but there's nothing that feels like resentful or lazy or spiteful out of it. Exactly. Like, there's it's nothing not cutting, that. Yeah. You know. I, I don't feel like. Toby Hooper didn't want to do this movie like he's just like oh I don't want to do another one of these it's just like I'm gonna do another fucking one of these go hard or go home like when um Stretch is running through that one tunnel and there's all of those bodies set up (laughs) and they're in all these like funny vignettes and there's so many and all the fucking lights and you have the skeleton riding the bomb and you have (laughs) there's a skeleton DJ at one point and I totally think it's Stretch it's because they listen to her on the radio oh that's such a good point but it, there's so much effort and so much like care into those scenes, and it's fucking crazy. It's
2: insane. the The movie ends at the top of a fucking mountain, which
1: is so insane. Yeah, and That's the only staircase thing, the only is... thing
2: up top, higher than the stretch, Texas flag. Like that is the highest peak of the entire movie. <laughs> is that Texas flag.
1: Yeah, because so she's having the final battle sequence with Chop Top because the grenade's gone off. So I think everybody downstairs safe to say is dead.
2: Yeah, we don't really see it, but yeah.
1: Yeah, that kinda just ends. Like it's kind it's just over. And then yeah. we have this final sequence with um basically uh they're playing like man on a hill. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, she uh Choptop's trying to get at her, she's kicking him off the uh off the ladder, she finally gets up to up to Chainsaw Heaven, let's call it, where grandma is, surrounded by her weird skeleton furniture and the chainsaw that they left for. Uh Choptop gets really fucking nuts at the end of this movie, right? Like starts cutting his own throat open. Well, maybe not his own throat open. It's not that severe, but he does start cutting himself in front of her because he's definitely not afraid of her or death.
1: Well, and he touched Grandma's chainsaw. Oh, yeah,
2: you don't touch Grandma's chainsaw.
1: Yeah, like, that's not okay. <laughs> I really wanted Grandma to move. I was just. That would have been. Great. I know we were way too far into the movie at this point because I was like, okay, I know it's totally going to end, but I just wanted her, like, neck to move or.
2: Just something. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't that have been a great, like, close to the movie or like after credit sequence just like just like one skeletal hand like the hand just like or just like rips the cord on the chainsaw
1: (laughs) well yeah because your final scene in the movie is stretch doing the the chainsaw dance which is so iconic from the first film like that that sunset or sunrise sunrise sunset it's dinner, right? Sun on the horizon. Shit.
2: Because she runs out at
1: dark. <laughs> and they, she's running Sunrise. for fucking days. Yep. <laughs> she's yep. running through the, the, the woods for days. But yeah, so she's doing that same like crazy wild chainsaw dance and it's like a victory dance in this one versus yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the first film is a it's a dance of sorrow. It's a dance of my people. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's a, It's a dance for the harvest. <laughs> yeah, this movie's wild. It's like Conan the Barbarian with Chainsaws.
1: This is like the Army of Darkness of the Texas Chainsaw franchise.
2: Oh, it's so great. Right? Oh, man, I love this movie so much. I love this movie so, so much.
1: I think I said when we were watching it that I was like, uh, it's as if Texas Chainsaw discovered their Fraggle Rock.
2: Yeah. And they like yeah. went down
1: into Fraggle Rock, and that's this movie. <laughs>
2: oh, man. it is. A, it's a special film.
1: Oh boy. Okay, so what is your rating of Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two?
2: It's very hard uh, because I love it, and I I, I want to give it a four out of four, and I probably I probably really should give it a four out of four. The second half of the movie, when we're underground, some of the scenes are just like paced so goddamn weird. Like it's like it goes on just a little too long in moments. I'm giving it a three point seven five out of four.
1: Whoa. Uh, I'm gonna go a three out of four. Yeah. Uh, I really liked it. Um, it's super fun. But Texas Chainsaw, the original, is a four out of four for me.
2: Hey, they could both be a four out of four. Uh,
1: I I love what... I think this is the best possible sequel it could have been for being so creative and so out there. And I'm normally not like a sequel person. Mm -hmm. So, um...
2: This movie is for people that are not sequel people.
1: Yeah, for sure. Totally. But also people who can... Who don't take horror too seriously. Mm -hmm. And don't think, like, everything needs to be so serious yeah which is which is so funny saying that because i think texas chainsaw is like the the perfect um bare bones totally terrifying at its core movie i think it's one of the scariest horror movies ever made yeah and then you have the sequel that is like one of the most fun midnight movies ever made <laughs> yeah they could
2: not be at polar op more yeah. polar opposites
1: completely ratio. different films
2: do you not? Do you agree with me though? A little bit, like the 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 second half of the movie is like oh, a
1: little really yeah. Weird. It's yeah. It, it it's just really like long, and I I think it comes down to the fact that it's not a slasher. Like there aren't characters to die. Yeah. Okay, so maybe. we're just following Stretch, and she's trying not like hide and stay hidden, and but she's also just she doesn't know where the tunnels lead, so she's she's fucking up a lot, mm-hmm. and, and like she's got to survive through and... all of that.
2: Yeah, it's nuts. There's a there's a lot. But honestly, if they if this movie was like five ten minutes shorter, like I, w- I would not be upset with a seventy eight. 82 minute cut of this movie it would not bother me whatsoever yeah but if you had a theatrical release in 1986 there's no way that was gonna happen
1: it's so. true well and i, I enjoy seeing all of the different elements of the house because mm-hmm. a lot of the first film is um you get glimpses wanting things, to right? discover who these people are based on like the room upstairs and the living room and the furniture and stuff and in this one we get to see it like really blown out of proportions in that wild zany way so if we didn't get to go down those hallways and stuff i'd be really upset
2: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories,
0: and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co.
2: I'm so very glad we watched this movie. Would you like to watch it again tonight?
1: Sure. Oh, yes. Um, Also, because we rented it and we only have it for another, like, (laughs) seven hours. (laughs) Um, But moving on, we are going to talk about Devil's Rejects from 2004. Is it 2004?
2: I think it's 2005.
1: Devil's Rejects from 2005.
0: What police have uncovered reads like this. Words can't describe it. We here, we are playing on a level that most will never see. You're going to start the killing. You best start it right here. This is truly the most shocking crime scene that this reporter has ever witnessed.
1: So, the Devil's Rejects currently sitting at a six point nine out of ten on IMDb, a three out of four from Roger Ebert. 53% on Metacritic and a 3.3 out of 5 on Letterboxd.
2: I really would have thought that Letterboxd review would have been higher. I
1: did too.
2: Damn. Sorry, what was the Rotten Tomatoes rating again?
1: Uh, I don't have Rotten Tomatoes. Oh my god. Oh shit. No, I don't have Rotten Tomatoes. I guess we're going to have to look it up independently.
2: Mm.
1: <laughs> How dare I. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's the most credible source for whether or not a movie is good.
1: Yeah, you have to check what the giant tomato in the sky says. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I do all my consulting. I just throw a tomato in the air. Yeah. <laughs> and then if it comes down, well, splat. It's trash. Which means everything is trash. I don't know. Okay, what I, I don't yeah. know what my theory is.
2: I was like, which tomatoes just hung up in the air?
1: The, the fried green ones. I don't oh, know. I don't know what's happening. So Devil's Rejects, I think both of us have wanted to have this movie on the podcast for a really long time. Oh, yeah. Um, but and, I
2: kind of refused to do it without, with any other movie uh, than Texas Chainsaw Massacre oh, 2. yeah.
1: He was so... Every every once in a while, I would have like a really sweet pairing. I'm like, oh, we could do it with this. And he would like, no. We are doing it for freaky <laughs> families, too.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I can't recommend watching these movies as double features... Enough.
1: But it doesn't make any sense. Thematically, they are different fucking films.
2: Hey, knee-jerk reaction, yeah, you want to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre with The Devil's Rejects. I get it. And you could also do a great double bill with Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, followed up with... House of a Thousand Corpses because they are weirder in and they they are more in line with each other. But I think they they work so much better this way. Uh, and I think it's just because you have like such strong raw voices in your first films, and then in the second film, it is such a wild departure. Because The Devil's Rejects is it, it's very much like like TCM Part Two. Uh, it is it's very much like its original film. But it's incredibly different.
1: Yeah, A Wild Departure is the best description of both of these films. But the funny thing is, is that tonally, Texas Chainsaw 2 is more akin to House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, 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 But story, House of a Thousand Corpses, mirrors Texas Chainsaw, the first film. And Devil's Rejects is more on the road. It's more exploratory, mm-hmm. kind of like Texas Chainsaw I'm talking mazes here. Whatever. Uh but yeah, like it's this is a very nihilistic film. There's something so bleak about it. And you, there's moments where you have fun and you love these characters even though you know they're terrible and they're um these anti-heroes. We don't have anybody good to follow in this movie. There's Nobody. not a good person on the screen. And somehow it just works even though you know it's not going to end good for anybody. See, this is this is why I love
2: 70s movies, and I don't know why, uh, like 70s, early 80s movies, because you are not expected to root for the person on screen. You are just watching that person's story. Mm -hmm. In any other format of filmmaking, you have a good guy and a bad guy, and there are very clear lines separating the two of them and you know who is who's representing the best interests of the audience and who is who we are rooting against it's us against him yeah. but when you just have a movie with characters who are who they are and you're just gonna watch their story play out that is that's where I'm at and that's what I love uh, about Movie making in general, but and you'll the never devil's see it again. Specifically, you'll
1: never see it again, except for in these like <laughs> these indie. Rob Zombie's doing a pretty good job. That's true. He's probably the only uh he's Quentin got Tarantino, maybe Quentin Tarantino. But even he's got some redeemable. He's got some nice guys. Well, yeah,
2: he's he's definitely got some nice guys because it's nice to have some nice guys. But hey, aren't the devil's rejects some nice guys sometimes? <laughs>
1: No. <laughs> never. Okay, so it's it's like an
2: episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Like it, there's a thin veil of the. they're nice but they're horrible people.
1: I mean for they are family. Like they're the same yeah. with the the family roots of like the Sawyer family like it's all about family which is mm-hmm. which is an interesting um level of integrity to hold family above all else like when they're escaping in the very beginning during the raid mother firefly stays back because one of her kids is down yeah and she only gets captured because she she won't leave a kid behind Mm -hmm. and the that's why only a few of them make it to the basement she could have left but she she doesn't yeah
2: i love that they are they are a strong family unit but only when the chips are down Like at no point will they admit that it's family first.
1: I think they would. I think that they just like wrestle each other's balls or whatever (laughs) fucking (laughs) phrases. Okay. (laughs) I think that they
2: quote unquote wrestle each other's
1: (laughs) balls. They 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 are siblings through and through. Like that's with them, it's just like throwing dead parts at each other. I guess that's a good
2: point. Like swearing
1: a lot. Yeah, Texas
2: Chainsaw (laughs) is is more nuclear family based. Whereas the 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 firefighter family is more of a realistic family where everybody just hates each other. But like, hey, only I'm allowed to call my sister a bitch.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
2: Yeah, (laughs) it's pretty great.
1: (laughs) But yeah, so we I think it should be said kind of early in this episode. Um, I think we all agree. This is Rob Zombie's best film. I
2: hate saying that.
1: But it's true.
2: It's it's oh, it's a hundred percent his best film.
1: But I also want to say, like in the same sense that like we had to do a disclaimer with the M Night Shyamalan movies that we talk about. I like Ravaszavi as a director. I think he's got a really interesting eye, and he does a lot of creative stuff. And his editing, I think, is so so on point Mm -hmm. with his films and i a hundred percent that comes down to doing his own music videos and being a musician and and doing um like his concert footage and stuff for so long like he does all the videos for his stage he gets a lot of flack as a director and he gets a lot of flack from the horror community and i just have to say that i fucking love Rob Zombie. Oh yeah, and his, and his filmmaking. I don't love all of his films. Like, yeah. Thirty One wasn't totally up my bag.
2: The open, the fucking opening sequence of that movie though is like some of the best things. But some of the best shit that he's ever written.
1: Yeah, and Lords of Salem. I don't think I love, but really I still, gotta watch that I still need to revisit it. We haven't seen it since the release,
2: yeah. so
1: um, I need to give that one another shot because I, I just don't think I was expecting Rob Zombie's Suspiria. Yeah, and that's really what it, it is. Kinda. Um. But I was expecting like gritty, like rock and roll cowboy. Rob we were zombie. expecting
2: Devil's Rejects. Yeah. Yeah. So. I yeah, fucking. I like Halloween. Series. I like his Halloween. I don't, I don't care. I think stuff.
1: it's so totally him. And could you expect anything different? Like Yeah.
2: And like honestly, uh, it's weird. We are off on a Rob Zombie tangent. No, right but I now, think but... we
1: need to be because yeah. this is such a, a a beloved film. I think a lot of people agree on this film and think it's a great film. I think everything just went perfect for this film. I think the yeah. editing, the actors understanding their characters and everybody just owning like the bleakness of this movie. It's just mm-hmm. this perfect storm of a film. But so much of his stuff doesn't get credit for being really like well-conceived and well-edited and how how much fun and freedom he has with, like, his filming style.
2: Yeah, it's, it's really authentic.
1: And, like, and, experimental. No matter, exactly.
2: And, like, no matter what you think of his movies, like, whether you like them or not, when you watch them, you go... That's a Rob Zombie movie.
1: Yeah, like, at least, I think every time he comes out of a film, like, he's made the movie he wanted to make. Definitely. And there's something, there's there's credit you have to give to that. Like, mm-hmm. even if you didn't like Halloween, you have to say, like, well, like, that's fucking what Rob Zombie wanted it to be. And, like, that's, that's what everybody involved set out to make. And it's the version of Rob Zombie's Mike Myers.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Michael Myers. Not the can- Canadian yeah. comedian who. <laughs> yeah,
2: not Wayne. <laughs> it's strange that we. It it's it kind of sucks to sit here and go. This is his best movie. This is his greatest film, uh, because it's also probably his most approachable movie. It's like I'm, I'm, anytime I talk about that, I'm just like throwing Halloween aside because like yeah, sure, Hall- every- Halloween's for everybody, but this is the if I had to show anybody a Rob Zombie movie outside of Halloween, this is the one I would show them. Because I think it's the one that people can get behind the most, despite the fact that it's got some vile shit in it. It is, it is, uh, it, it's a crowd pleaser.
1: Yeah, and it's it's hard to describe why that is. Honestly, I think it's because no, don't laugh at this. Mm. I think it's because this film is so fucking sunny.
2: Yeah, but I mean, like that sun looks great on like actual film. Because, I, honestly, I don't really remember if he did it for this movie or if it was for House of a Thousand Corpses specifically, but they shot it on super 16 millimeter and then blew it up to 32. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this one's actually shot on 32 and they just it just has like a dope grain finish to it. But on film, you're right. Like those sunny sequences look great.
1: This movie is gorgeous.
2: It's insane. And it is
1: the the most sun-soaked horror movie I think I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. It, it it looks great all of these characters are in direct sunlight when they're like at their most vile otis is killing people in the desert in direct sunlight they are infiltrating this hotel this motel room in direct sunlight like they are doing vile things in that hotel room with sun streaming through the windows
2: yeah and you know what as as we flip over to where uh, all of a sudden who used to be our good guy is now becoming our villain more of its be more of its taking place in darkness
1: yeah, and it's also just crazy because these people are on the run mm. at this point, and they're supposed to be in hiding, but they're just being who they are in direct sunlight. Like, it's, yeah. they're they're not... They're not
2: taking the cover of night. Yeah. They are just living their lives. They are in their best selves. Yeah,
1: you know. like, they have just transferred their house from the house to the van, and then yeah. from the van to the whorehouse. It's pretty great. But they don't stop being who they are.
2: yeah. They're not on vacation from their own baggage. They're just on tour.
1: That's a good line.
2: <laughs> Thanks. <That's> good. <laughs> the opening sequence of this movie, like the, the credit sequence alone, is my maybe my favorite part of the movie. It, it's, it's more than just the, these moments, but I really do think this movie and Rob Zombie just takes the freeze frame and makes it a fucking art form. Oh my god, like the freeze frame right before Everything the Everything
1: is so perfect, though. Yeah,
2: like the freeze frame on Devil's Rejects, on just all of the moments. And the music
1: that they play, though, like how oh, we have man. all of these scenes so... We listened to the director's commentary before we recorded this. I'm so glad that we did if you... He does great. If volunteers. you love this movie, yeah, just listen to the director's commentary. Especially on
2: the, if you're an aspiring filmmaker or totally, you just have an interest in film.
1: Totally. And he is not afraid to, like, get in get in everything and, like... Yeah, he
2: talks about all the mistakes. And he talks the, about yeah. how they got shots.
1: <laughs> and how, like, they had to wrangle the cows up and you're like, that's so great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the music and everything in the opening sequence works so well and the editing because they had all of these extra scenes that they filmed for the movie like full on escape scenes and all that stuff but they couldn't fit them into the movie and they took just these tiny little vignettes of them mm-hmm. and they put them in these musical montages that I think is what makes this film feel like a scope. Like all of the characters feel like real people and some of them don't even get full, full, full scenes. Mm-hmm. And they're just in these montages. Like that one, the nurse that they commandeer her car in the opening title sequence. Yeah. Yeah. That was supposed to be a whole scene or something.
2: Yeah. There's probably like a minute or two leading up to her finding baby on the road and then her talking with baby. But and... you don't
1: get any of that because nope. it's under music and it's and it's just these cuts of this action and them stealing her car. But like there's so much heart and weight into that. Like I feel that character.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think everybody would agree that she has a standout role in this movie despite being uh, like almost being a, uh, an extra. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of scenes in this movie that, and like this speaks to just the man, we are really praising this guy a lot, but like this speaks to his strengths and just like his eye for his own films. Uh, there are tons of sequences that were cut down into quick cut montages or just entire exchanges between characters that were taken down to a like shaky cam cutaway.
1: Or like a nod or a laugh or something. and
2: Yeah, but because it, it still gets the emotional tone of that whole interaction.
1: But I think what's great there too, though, is that you have to give credit to the actors for knowing the characters so well that they're yeah. able to embody the entire mood of the whole scene in like just Just a an laugh. expression, yeah. Yeah, and... That allows a lot of, like, interesting play. Like, one of the particular scenes that Rob Zombie was talking about cutting down was the um, the scene where Sid Haag, uh Captain Spaulding, is... It, he's at the whorehouse. It's the end of the night. Like, he's smoking his last joint before bed. And that's when the cop shows up. And it's a long-ish scene, but it's very quiet. There isn't a lot of dialogue. And he initially wrote it like a big showdown, like a big western style, like head to head. It's so much more quiet than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot that goes unsaid because it's just like, what, 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 what of these two men would want to talk to the other? Yeah, like, he, they, they don't. Neither
2: to... of them give a fuck about each other. They both want to see each other die.
1: Yeah, like if you're they're... gonna
2: shoot, shoot. Don't just stand there. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we just recently watched the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. That was a big dumb. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my favorite scenes growing up, and it's still one of my favorite scenes now.
1: Two VHS tapes. Two whole. I know. <laughs>
2: you know the worst part about buying those double pack VHS tapes from a thrift store is that nobody rewinds. Nobody them. does rewind. So you got you got to rewind. Our VCR is so slow at rewinding it is shit scary.
1: It fast forwarding too. Like it's not good at either. Yeah,
2: you got to spend twenty minutes rewinding a tape, and then you're just like, yeah, into this movie. So, oh, I gotta rewind a second tape. <laughs> I didn't finish that movie that day. I walked away from it. Four days later, I rewound that tape and (laughs) finished it. It was worth the wait, at the very least.
1: So I do want to talk about the motel sequence a little bit more, because I know we kind of skipped over it.
2: Don't feel bad about plowing over things. It's totally fine. There's a lot to talk about in this movie. The motel sequence, though... I mean, it's really hard to try and pinpoint what your favorite parts of the whole movie are, but like, I really like the motel sequence. And
1: the thing is, is like is such a weird word to use because oh, it's, horrible. it's a horrible scene horrible. and it's very dark and it's very bleak. And I think that's why I love it, because the movie kind of takes a, a turn. The oh, movie yeah. takes a bunch of turns, which is great. Great about this movie. But you have this kick-ass scene where they're being shot at by police and their home is being invaded and then they wear this like crazy-ass armor that's kind of wild and then you have no idea what kind of movie this is going to be. And that's the only really moment in this film where it feels like House of a Thousand Corpses-y. Sure. When um, after the police have shot the tear gas and they go in and there's that wonderful fucking grain footage. And <laughs> everything is lit green and you have like the family members wearing these weird fucking metal welded masks and stuff Mm -hmm. like that feels very house of a thousand corpses um or
2: even just the fact that they have like 30 cheerleaders chained up in the basement
1: yeah and like otis is sleeping with a corpse like it's it's fun um yeah (laughs) sure (laughs) uh context john context when we get to the motel we are already rooting for these guys because like we love them so much time has passed since we've seen them Mm -hmm. um they're fun murderers. I don't yeah, know how
2: well, to no, say... Yeah, well, no, no, seriously. Though, like in, in a horror movie, especially in a franchise, you're coming back to it for the killer. I'm not going to watch Friday the 13th Part 6 because... I can't wait to see, you know, what Tommy Jarvis looks like all grown up. Like, I'm coming because I want to see Jason. Mm-hmm. So when you come to The Devil's Rejects, you are there for The Devil's Rejects. It's no surprise. And then, yeah, this movie challenges you. It gives you this cool opening. It's great. You get a little glimpse, like, oh, they're still up to their old hijinks and they're, they, they've escaped a gun battle. But hey, are you still going to like them after they do this horrible shit to these people that don't deserve it?
1: Yeah, they're never going to stop being who they are. Like, yes, they are they're being chased right now but like don't think that they're the mice in this story Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and i think it it really plays on your perception of loving and hating this horrible family yeah because they they do what they do in the motel room like we put um we kill a guy like point blank um we assault a woman and it's there's nothing sexual about it for the person doing the assaulting it's like purely a power trip yeah which is Which is interesting in watching it for that character, like watching that scene for Otis, like he's not getting anything out of that sexually. It's degrading the husband and just being on a power trip. Yeah, it's it's just just him and his ego. Yeah. and then you, you move on and they they're stopping for ice cream on the highway and then we fucking love them again.
2: See like that, that, that the thing about that scene, uh, it is such a pivotal part of this entire movie. It's so weird that it works because we flip gears hard. This dude literally cuts off a guy's face and makes his wife wear it for hours until the the maid comes the following day to let her out. She's gone so crazy that she can't even ask for help. She just runs off like an escaped patient from a mental hospital and gets run over in the street. Like, nobody gets out of that situation alive, and it's horrible. You've got, like, this helter-skelter imagery of just body parts and blood on the walls, and, and then, yeah, then they're... They're on a family road trip.
1: Yeah, getting stopping for ice cream.
2: They're irritable with each other. It's like every road trip you've ever been on. And yeah, they're, you're laughing with them. All of a sudden, you're in the back seat like a little kid looking in on like the grown-ups having a good time. It's crazy. It and is crazy. And it's super important to this whole movie, that
1: whole scene. But it's just that one interaction that completely turns. Like, you forget all that's, that's happened. Like, yeah. We we saw a baby impale somebody with a, with a knife.
2: That is, like, oh, that that death is so nuts because she could have killed her at any moment uh, because she knows that the gun that this person has taken from her does not have bullets in it. She could have told her that before she stabbed her, but instead she made sure the knife was in her heart and she was dying before she let her know there was never any escape and just walks out of the motel room after the other girl that's uh, that's run off. That is such a horror, I mean, the, there is there is no death in this movie that I would prefer to have for myself.
1: It's all fucking mind power, bitch.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a rough one. And then ice cream, and we're friends again. Yeah,
1: and then like they dab it on uh, Otis's nose, and it's all cute. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's tootie fucking fruity. And it's the most quoted line in the movie. Yep. And it's after they've murdered three, pe- four people.
2: A lot of people. I don't know how it works. I don't know why it works. And but I I think like you were saying, it comes down to the performances of these characters. They they know exactly who they are and they sell it. And it's 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 genius. Like Sherry Moon Zombie, Bill Mosley, Sid Haig, they are all like at the top of their game in this movie, at least with these characters. Like they're they've all had amazing careers. But uh like holy shit is this just not Everything that these characters needed to be for us to love them. Like it is. It's so weird. Like you fear them and love them at the same time and and separately. Like I it's insane. I, I, I honestly this movie is like a magic trick. I don't know how he pulled it off. But holy shit does it work.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, and there's like an an ebb and a flow because you go back to not liking them and liking them again, and then at the end of the movie is so bleak. It's it's so every scene is like a different scale of like how how on board are we with this family right yeah, now?
2: Yeah, yeah, and it it's it's slow and progressive how much we realize that the the cop uh, Wydell, is becoming our villain. Now it's kind of like um cops and robbers situation like no matter what you're probably always with the robber because it's more of an un- an underdog story and it's interesting it's fun to hate the law but uh
1: i don't think he's the law <laughs> <laughs> no I, I think he's i i think at one point he was the law but with this family he is not the law
2: well they they stepped in they kill his brother and he can't let them they get away with that you
1: love doing that fucking voice. I can't do a
2: good Will <laughs> Forsythe voice. That guy's got a crazy voice. It's got a little bit of a rasp to it. Hundred <laughs> percent Alabama ass kicking.
1: Texas ass kicking. Oh uh, no, it doesn't. He say he says Alabama. Are they Alabama? Uh,
2: Texas, Alabama, right? Alabama, Louisiana. Where is Alabama? fuck
1: it's not texas <laughs> no it's it's, not. its own state is it <laughs> yes
0: oh alabama
1: fuck. is a state <laughs> alabama arkansas singing a song about them all
2: oh my mistake
1: i made up that song it's not a real song
2: ladies and gentlemen i do apologize
1: <laughs> um fuck what happens next what do you think about the cop
2: I think he's a prick. I don't know. Um
1: cuz he gets a lot of he gets a lot of screen time. I think
2: he needs a lot of screen time. Uh and I think it's because we need to see his evolution. We need to see him descend into just darkness. Because like he's got a group of guys around him and they are they're all working together to solve this thing and to catch that fucking family. Um but like he slowly becomes a lone wolf. Just like one man on a mission and he is um He's in it by himself. He's got nobody. He's forced everybody away, so they can't tell him it's a it's a mistake. And uh, we, we we just need to see tons of scenes where he is just slowly losing it because like, yeah, he's pretty fucking pissed and just guns blazing from the moment we see him. But we, we need to see how personal of a struggle it is, I guess, mm-hmm. and and how much he wants to fucking hurt them. I think we do a great job because every time we see him, he gets he gets worse and worse. Like even dealing with the bad guys, um, the oh what is it, the deadly two, uh, Danny Trejo and Diamond um, Dallas Page. Like even talking with those guys who are on his side, he's a prick to them. I think I think he does a great job in this movie. Like he is so good at selling that character.
1: Yeah, and I think you have to have him at the point because when we have like our final climax scene where he's got them all tied up. To the chairs in the in the old house. Um, and he's like stapling their victims to them. I love that. He's literally stapling people that they have tortured and murdered to them, and we feel bad for them. Like right? we are still on their side. Like when, when baby finally breaks down and she's like really affected by this because he shows her photos of, of Mother Firefly, who he's murdered in her jail cell.
2: That's a weird
1: girl. Like <laughs> She's she's for the first time like broken down. Yeah. And we feel empathy. Yep. And she's wearing the stapled photo of this girl she tortured in House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah,
2: and like we we know the horrible shit that they can do. So it's crazy that we are so on their side at that point. And it's it, that moment that you're talking about too is great because you never see Baby drop face. Like she is always
1: giggling and like
2: yeah and maniacal yeah she's never she is never not ready to eat your face but she like she has no weakness mm-hmm. but in that moment yeah she's she's dropped a little bit she's almost uh she almost feels like she can't get out of this and that's scary
1: Mm-hmm.
2: but yeah it's, it's weird why do we care about them like it's we we shouldn't want these guys to get away because if they get away and they are okay, they go They're back gonna to being... they start up again. Yeah, horrible <laughs> people. They go back to being the the sate. They go back to being the devil themselves. We even talked about Ken Forhey at all. Ken Forhey's amazing in this movie.
1: Yeah, he owns the... So he's like Sid Haig, Captain Spaulding's brother. Mm. Um. Or best friend, old time friend, whatever. Leave it, ends
2: it, up, it, brother. Whatever
1: it ends up being, um, and his his place becomes the hideout in the middle of the film. And honestly, I think it all comes down to that set. Like I think they found that fucking um, they like
2: wild west old Saloon. wild
1: west film set or whatever it was, like this Charles Manson esque film set <laughs> and
2: spawn range
1: and basically, and they they're like, yeah, we're just gonna most of the movie is gonna be here now. <laughs> It's perfect. It's so cool.
2: Yeah, it's great. It's an awesome little hideout, which makes sense why we would have this Wild West showdown between uh, between Sid Hagg and Will Forsythe that we never got to see. But um, it's so perfect for the theme of this movie. Like everything about this movie feels like it's it's a western that's just gone off the rails. Mm-hmm. And the music is the soundtrack to this movie is it deserves all the credit. It gets. oh, the
1: music is so good.
2: <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody out there that says that this movie isn't amazing. Partly because of the music, but uh, name it- another
1: movie that could use Freebird. This movie couldn't even use Freebird, and it right? used Freebird so well. How
2: did he get away with that? How
1: like, how are we just all on board with it? I don't think a single person the first time they saw this movie and heard Freebird and that like, that like those helicopter really? shots yeah. and weren't like, oh no, why are they doing this? We were just like, what? <laughs> and there's there's this like sad triumph about it. Like, Freebird is the perfect song because we know how it's gonna end. Yeah. And there's no happy ending. But they go down guns a-blazing and, like, that's fucking so perfect.
2: It's amazing. It is one of the greatest endings
1: Of all time. Of all time.
2: Of any genre. I'm gonna say it. Like, holy... Shit. Just when you thought this movie could not get any better, it goes out with a fucking firework
1: And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm giving credit to this movie, and I'm saying that it's the fucking sun. I think <laughs> the fact that this movie is so bright is what makes it so good. And the fact that they are soaked in sun mm. for that whole final sequence, for the whole Freebird, the Freebird from beginning to Freebird. The
2: Freebird finale?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's so bright. I don't know. I, I love the fucking sun in this movie. Like I cannot give enough credit to the sun.
2: I'm going I'm to go with you on that one. It's. That's got to be it.
1: It's the fact that it's this day. It's like this road trip, daytime, sandy summer movie. Not even a summer movie. It's just like a desert movie. Do
2: but. you like any other road trip movies?
1: I love road trip movies. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I kind of
2: don't love road trip movies. I don't know what it is. I
1: love. Them. i don't know why
2: they're okay i've seen some really good ones but i don't love them
1: like I... especially road trip horror i love road trip horror
2: name me a few road trip horrors right now
1: i can't okay just, i'm sorry like, name them all right travel horror or like that's that's different backpacker horror
2: okay you're talking like berlin syndrome uh, hostel uh oh what was that weird one getaway or something where they're on beaches and
1: turistas tur-
2: the Ruins, of course. Um, the Ruins is good. The Ruins is actually really good. <laughs> Doesn't get enough credit. No,
1: it's The good. Beach.
2: Everybody loves The Beach, oh. right? It's a great one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just keep squeaking in the microphone. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Until I'm over. Yeah, I don't know what it is about it, but uh, I super duper love this road trip movie. And I love its road trippy aspects. It's not like, um, oh, I've decided this is the one I like. Yeah, I, I think it's a perfect use of that road trip format. It makes sense to me. Sometimes it just feels like, oh, we got a lot of ideas for characters, and we're just going to drive to this location and meet these quirky characters and these quirky characters. We're going to learn something about ourselves along the way, which
1: is very funny because this film very could very easily could have became that because there's so many like iconic horror faces mm. that. Getting them all into the film could have felt like, oh, we got to make screen time for PJ Souls, who's, mm. who plays the mom of the car that uh, Captain Spaulding steals in the beginning-ish of the film.
2: That is such a good scene where he's talking to that kid. He's oh like, oh, my
1: God, that is so good. He's like,
2: you're going to get out of this goddamn car right now or I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill your whole family. I don't remember a damn thing he says. He's like, but- you better
1: tell me that you're afraid of clowns. I'm going to come back. And he's like, you need to have oh, a reason why you're afraid man. of clowns. You're like, traumatized yeah traumatized
2: that's great you got a scene that you want to mention that we haven't talked about there's too many things about this movie we haven't talked
1: about i wish we could just play Freebird right now like i wish we could just like but what how do you none of that scene is audio like you don't get any there's no dialogue there's no sound effects apart from like the gunshots at the very end like closing out the film yeah
2: another great Um, freeze frame
1: it's just so perfect it is the perfect ending.
2: I cannot wait for Three from Hell. Like, I'm so ready for that movie.
1: Do you think that it that they didn't die from that car shootout? Or do you think they're going to chalk it up to, like, uh, like, just pretend that that ending didn't happen and that they drove off?
2: Oh, my God. You know what? In my mind, I was thinking they did not die. Mm-hmm. Or they, they died, they brought them back because they were like, fuck it. These people are awful pieces of shit. We need them rot in a jail cell forever. Which also kind of sounds like the opposite of the world this movie exists in. Yeah, like, like, like the this is an
1: electric chair Jeff world. And, well, yeah, they,
2: like electric chair world or dead on a road world. <laughs> um, but now that you mention it, they do have a mugshot of Baby in this movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Baby
2: has been arrested. And I'm pretty sure that is essentially like the promo photo that we're seeing a lot of for Three from Hell. Maybe this movie takes place in between House of a Thousand Corpses and The Devil's Rejects, or maybe it takes place before House of a Thousand Corpses. I don't know. I think it might be in a weird spot on the timeline. And I think I Devil's just... Rejects will always stand as their swan song, their ending. This this is the end of their story. And you know, you can continue to tell stories somewhere in there about the Firefly family, but. Yeah, I have I no know. idea.
1: I have no idea. If
2: if it is um, before Devil's Rejects, they've done a really good job of not letting anybody know, casting-wise, that, like, Mama's in it. But I have a, I have a feeling it takes place after the Devil's Rejects. I think it's going to be chronological. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think we're going to have, like, it's going to start maybe with them driving in that, convertible Mm. and
2: we start with that
1: they're just gonna drive on by and like there's not gonna be any wall of police officers like i think that we're just gonna Mm. not uh, change it but i don't think that shootout happened happened
2: Mm okay if it
1: if it's chronological like if three and i think it might have to be because all the actors have aged good point Right? Like, yeah.
2: Like, how do you, how, yeah, how do you make any of them look 15, 20 years old? I younger? mean, it
1: works, though, for, like, House of Thousand Corpses Otis is not the same Otis in Devil's nope. Rejects. Like, it's a completely different person. He got a beard now. And he's, like, in the first one, he's, like, a weird, like, Marilyn Manson-esque character. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah.
1: He's got this weird...
2: He's got really stringy hair.
1: <laughs> pagany sort of, I don't know, they do a lot of weird witchcrafty cult stuff well, Oh, yeah, he's also got, the like, the that woods. whole
2: get-up at the end yeah, of the and, like, movie that church Dr. Thing. Satan. Yeah.
1: yeah, and, like... Otis in Devil's Rejects would not wear that getup. No, like, no that's he, some frilly bullshit. <laughs> no,
2: yeah, he would. He would shove that makeup kit right up your ass. <laughs>
1: um, I'm I'm kind of out of things to say because so much of this m- movie happens under music.
2: Yeah, or it's it's very visual. Like, how do how do I. Say I love the scene transition from Ken Forhe's whorehouse back to the desert where Otis has those people kidnapped. You know, like where you have like that Chinese gong go off. And like and the we,
1: wipe. Yeah,
2: we wipe to a family photo. We wipe back to where we are. Like, I fucking love that. I think it's incredible.
1: Not good for a podcast. No. <laughs> I love the wipes in this film.
2: Y'all like that wipe? Those
1: transitions were so wonderful. <laughs> I love those wipes.
2: I love Tiny?
1: Yeah, that's the, the seven-foot-tall brother.
2: Yep. Yeah, I... and
1: he shows up in the perfect moment because you forgot he existed. And he's literally, for his character, to have just been, like, bumming around, feeding the cows. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> the cops have come and gone. And, like, a lot of cops. And they never found this seven-foot-tall, quiet they brother. Know, they
2: know about the entire family. They don't know about Tiny. Yeah. But, right.
1: And he's just, like, living in the barn, I guess. But And then he walks back into the burning house at the end. And it's just, like... It's kind of sad. Mm,
2: mm. It is sad. Mm. I like, uh, not that we have to talk about it too much, I really like Mom's death.
1: She's crazy in this.
2: She's insane. In
1: she is like crazy. Yeah.
2: Her death is just like the right type of weird sleazy. It makes it makes me feel uncomfortable it watching it. It is uncomfortable. It. I'm supposed to feel uncomfortable <laughs> watching it, so job well done. Uh, I really, really do enjoy it though. I think it's crazy and that that the way that whole scene plays out is pretty great, right? Right.
1: I think we should mention, too, that there, there's no Dr. Satan in this movie. Yeah. Um. I think there's, there's maybe some flashes in the beginning of him being, like, arrested or him being taken away. Or they filmed that and it didn't really make it into the film. But there's no big, like, they don't discover this weird experimental bunker in the basement. And there's no big crazy, like, oh, these people are crazy, torturing, experimenting on human beings kind of thing. Because that doesn't fit with this, like runaway serial killer movie that we're getting into with Devil's rejects and mm-hmm. uh I think it was the best decision and I love Doctor Satan in House of a Thousand Corpses. Like I think he just he brings that movie up to twelve. He yeah. he just adds this like surreal element to the movie. It's nuts. That where you're just like, okay, so there are no rules here anymore, mm-hmm. and you're just like, what the fuck is this? Like, are they trying to appease this weird devil god they have in the basement? Um. Yeah, and he's
2: got like their fucking like uh, oxygen mask and like all of the syringes, like just yeah, the he's IV just lines in his and body weird. and shit. Oh, it's great,
1: but. He does. Uh, he doesn't fit in with the the three of them.
2: Mm-mm.
1: I I think it was just such a smart decision to to omit him. It would from- it
2: would have been nice to have him, sure, but you're right. Like it would have it would have changed the movie completely. It would have been just like this weird bonkers thing uh especially to have him and tiny maybe but i guess tiny doesn't really do too much so it's it's, it's totally fine so instead of dr satan we got like a mystery brother who was in the house <laughs> we don't uh i oh, no, no no! he's in the house of a thousand corpses right he changes their tire yeah yeah
1: i think that there's yeah i think there's quite a few of them
2: <laughs> yeah so yes what would you write the devil's rejects there um, wasn't anything else you wanted to talk about right? No, 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 i think no, no. we got it out
1: yeah right. we we did we did the free bird we got it <laughs> yeah
2: that's all we need to talk about and it's hard to talk about because it again,
1: it's just yeah. it's a song. It's just very poignant. Yeah,
2: it's just I really like how you pronounce that G and poignant. Po- now you got me doing it. Shit. Po-
1: poignant, 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 poignant. What do you? How do you say it?
2: I can't say it properly anymore. See? Yeah, poignant. Poignant. It's very poignant.
1: Poignant. There we go. There I is. had to
2: really focus to do that.
1: Poignant. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, very. <laughs> it's. It's a very emotionally satisfying denouement. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm giving this film a four out of four. I think it is perfect.
2: I also agree. This is a perfect movie. There is nothing that I would change about it. Uh, and it is a strong four out of four from
1: me. Yeah. And it's like absurd. It's absurdly good. <laughs> it's insane.
2: It shouldn't work. It really shouldn't. And holy shit, does it. We are controlling transmission. Nightmare on Film Street is brought to you by Baphomet & Co. Small batch soap inspired by horror and the macabre. This week's pick is the Baffmet Bomb. A black bath bomb with an intoxicating scent that lingers. Something deep, dark, sinful, and sensual. A bath bomb black as night that in turn conjures the ultimate soak. A delicious, dark, hydrating, purifying concoction... Worth trading the devil for. Get 10% off your order with the code NIGHTMARE at baffmintonco.com That's 10% off with the code NIGHTMARE. Co. Made by hands, sometimes severed. Celebrate Folk Horror Month at Nightmare on Film Street with the Cult of Fiends giveaway. Enter to win one of three culty prize packs by signing your name in the book at nofspodcast.com slash contest. But that's just our opinion. Tweet at us, at nofspodcast. Talk to us on the official official NOFS subreddit, at reddit.com slash r slash Nightmare on Film Street. And of course, you can find us in the Horror Movie Fiend Club at facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of NOFS.
1: Yeah, and if you would like to support the show, you can hit us up on Patreon at patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street. The show is listener supported and we have a ton of goodies and fun stuff there for you bonus episodes, bonus content, swag, live streams, there's tons of stuff. Um, And if you can't do a recurring donation, that's totally cool. We also sell merchandise in our web store at store.nofspodcast.com. We have a brand new t-shirt that is so awesome. Uh, We also have enamel pins, there's other merch. And if you can't do any of that, if you want to just leave us a quick five-star rating and review on iTunes or Facebook or wherever you're getting this podcast subscribe on every single platform and app you have. It really helps us. Um, we are doing it on our own. It's just the two of us. We do all the social media, um, we do all of the editing, recording, the research. We have a, an amazing team of contributors on the website. Like, oh, that's not just yeah. us. There's a ton of really great yeah, voices please, over please there. Please
2: do head over to nofspodcast.com and check out some amazing articles from some amazing people.
1: Yeah, and anything you can do to share and promote all of that stuff is so amazing. We love having you respond and, and hearing your voices and your opinions and stuff. It's totally awesome.
2: We're going to stick around for a few more minutes and play a little game called Tutti Fruity or Sawyer Chili. Check out that that minigame and all the other bonus content available to you as a patron of this show at patreon.com slash nightmare on film street
1: but that's it from us this week I'm Kim
2: I'm John
1: stay Stay creepy. creepy
0: it appears you made it out alive just long enough to tell the tale of the nightmare on film street ow help us grow the horde Leave a review on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. Continue this week's conversation on Twitter by following at NOFS Podcast. And as always, more terror can be found lurking on our website, www.nightmareonfilmstreetpodcast.com.